Happy Monday and welcome to another episode of the Religious Studies Project. I'm Bree Fallon and with me is Dave McConaughey, not unfortunately at the AIR where I probably should be since it is the weekend and the week before Thanksgiving. Bree, we have missed a lot of conferences, have we not, this past year? We have missed so many conferences. Normally, we would have episodes coming out of the AAR, the BASR, the EASR, and of course, this year was supposed to be the IAHR, which happens every five years. That was supposed to be in New Zealand this year, which we have sadly missed. But we actually have an episode today from a conference that actually occurred about 12 months ago. So it's wonderful to be hearing an episode out of a conference again. What do we have coming up today, Dave? Yeah, today we have something that was recorded in Budapest uh, at the Imperial Mysticisms Conference. Uh, It was recorded by Sidney Castillo speaking with Carson Wilka about politics, Kabbalah, and beyond Jewish studies and the study of religion take it away. So, yeah, it's after a long week of discussion last week in the conference Imperial Mysticism here at CEO Budapest. Now I'm sitting down with Professor Castor Wilke from the Center for Religious Studies at the same university. Professor Wilke, is a, it's very nice to have you here in the Religious Studies Project. Yeah, thank you for the conversation. Uh, I'm a faculty member of the uh, CEU History Department and the Department of Medieval Studies. Uh, I am teaching in particular in the Jewish Studies Specialization that we have at CEU, Mm -hmm. and I'm presently the Director of the Center for Religious Studies. Mm -hmm. So uh, my uh, field of specialization is uh, Jewish history, in particular Jewish religious and cultural history from the Middle Ages to the modern period. Excellent. Indeed. Now we have a light. Uh, many coverage to do because uh, of, so far in the website we don't have anything featured about Jewish studies, so we hope that you will be our introduction to the field in some way. So, without further ado, I would like to ask the following question. What does the field of Jewish studies encompass? How is it approached by different disciplines? So, uh, Jewish studies is established in a number of uh, universities around the, around the world. It is one of the classical area studies. That means uh, a discipline that is not defined by its particular approach, like uh, sociology, Mm -hmm. but uh, by its object. That means uh, uh, the uh, Jewish uh, uh, culture, the Jewish uh, people, the Jewish religion, however you might uh, define it, through through history. And uh, we have here an object that... uh, uh, crosses uh, uh, human history through a large number of uh, millennia from the Bible till uh, the present day. Uh, this is something peculiar that has practically no uh, geographical limits mm-hmm. and uh, that has been defined, uh, uh, as I alluded to, uh, in different ways through uh, through history. We have an, an ethnic definition in the uh, in antiquity. Uh, we have mainly a cooperative de- definition in the Middle Ages, a, uh, um, a religious definition in classical modernity, and uh, through uh, Zionism, and now a uh, national definition as well. Mm-hmm. So we have an object that is uh, that is changing, and this is the particular challenge 
of uh, Jewish studies mm -hmm. that uh, we have to spend uh, a large uh, chronological uh, width. Uh, we have to, uh, to to spend geography to a, to a large extent. Uh, and also we have an object that it, whose uh, self-definition is changing is changing over history, so that uh, the definition definition of Jewish studies as uh, area studies is in a way problematic. Mm -hmm. It is not like uh, Islamic studies, for example, uh, which has a much uh, clearer definition with respect to the uh, uh, religious uh, message uh, of uh, Islam, but. Uh, we uh, have, in a way, a challenge uh, that uh, needs to be uh, uh, that, that needs to be solved from the point of view of uh, uh, the different approaches that we need in this field. That means uh, we have a cultural tradition mm -hmm. that uh, very much uh, is uh, based on written culture, uh, on texts, on uh, the biblical tradition and uh, exegesis, as well as on legal traditions. So we have a, a basis in uh, philology. Mm. Uh, we have a tradition that has expressed itself uh, mainly in uh, diaspora history. So uh, there is a sociological fact of uh, minority history that needs to be uh, uh, taken uh, into account. And uh, we have... Uh, we are dealing uh, with a cultural tradition uh, that uh, has not had, uh, for the largest part of its history, a political center. Mm -hmm. That means mm -hmm. that uh, ethnographic uh, expressions, that uh, cultural, cultural traditions uh, are uh, much more important for the larger part of Jewish history than uh, uh, political and uh, for example, uh, military history, a centralized cultural language, uh, uh, and so on. Mm -hmm. So Jewish studies, uh, I would say, can uh, not be defined by its, uh, uh, by its area alone, because this area is very, very broad uh, and uh, very discontinuous, but also by a specific uh, approach uh, that uh, marries uh, philology mm. to uh, sociology and ethnography. Mm -hmm. exactly. So it's problematic in itself to try to study Jewish history or Jewish communities because oftentimes it doesn't overlap the religious identity with the ethnic one, uh, contrary to what happens in Islamic studies. Would you say that's the difference between the two as well? <clears throat> so the uh, creation of the Jewish collectivity predates our concepts of religion and uh, ethnicity. Mm. of nationality, of course. Mm. So the question of whether uh, Judaism uh, is an ethnicity or a religion uh, is uh, a wrong question, I would say, mm. uh, because uh, we are dealing with a, with a tradition uh, that uh, has gone through a number of, uh, of phases, that has uh, had to uh, define itself as a diaspora tradition mm. with respect to uh, the mainstream ideas of uh, religion and of uh, nationality, but uh, which cannot be defined uh, entirely with respect to one of them. Islam, uh, for example, uh, arose it, uh, <clears throat> at a moment in which uh, the late antique uh, concept of uh, faith, of uh, salvation, of religious community, uh, even of the Christian church, Existed uh, existed already, 
and uh, formed this uh, this community, mm. uh, shaped it to a large extent. While uh, Judaism is uh, very largely defined by its biblical precedents, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, have been active all through its history, that are, as we all know, uh, much uh, much older than this uh, late antique uh, uh, conception of religion, and that have uh, resisted it over the ages. Mm-hmm. Ah, exactly. So to try to delve more into uh, the subject matter, I would like to ask that, and based on Your research is situated within the history of Jewish communities in Europe from medieval to modern times. How can we understand their role throughout European history? I think it's a very broad question, but to situate a little bit for what you have been doing so far would be useful for us. So I have been interested in particular in the interaction of the Jewish diaspora <coughs> community with the uh, environing uh, religions and cultures. Mm-hmm. So uh, my focus has been uh, on Jewish-Christian relations, on the way in which Jews in a Christian-majority environment have come to uh, define their own tradition and specificity, and with the way also uh, in which uh, Jewish norms, Jewish uh, legal and uh, uh, cultural patterns have uh, adopted uh, influences elements from uh, from outside and uh, made it uh, a core element of uh, one's own uh, one's own cultural definition mm-hmm. so uh, to give an example i've been working on the reform of the rabbinate uh, in the period of the emancipation between the late uh, 18th to the middle of the 19th century in which uh, the uh, position and the cultural profile of the modern rabbi became came to be uh, defined with respect to uh, the uh, uh, 19th century academic uh, uh, academic idea mm. of critical uh, academic scholarship and uh, in which a very peculiar uh, synthesis between traditional uh, Talmudic learning and uh, exegesis uh, inherited from uh, medieval and early modern Judaism and uh, the specific uh, uh, German tradition of uh, historicism took place in uh, a number of uh, quite uh, innovative uh, con- conceptions. And uh, what I study is the... Uh, So, so is the sociological uh, composition of a new elite mm-hmm. and uh, I have been interested uh, also in the spread uh, of uh, this uh, ideal of the Jewish uh, uh, religious authority the spread of it uh, from uh, central Europe to other to other parts of the world uh, the uh, United States uh, for example Western Europe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Particularly, uh, there has been, the, well, it's quite known, the case of uh, Jews in Spain during the 15th, 16th century. You have done research upon that as well. Could you talk, talk to us a little bit more about that? So, that, that is another uh, period in uh, Jewish, uh, European Jewish history uh, that uh, I have been very much interested in. It is perhaps an extreme case of Jewish-Christian relations mm-hmm. uh, when uh, 
uh, a large number of uh, Spanish and Portuguese Jews, we're speaking about tens or hundreds of thousands, were forced to uh, convert to uh, Christianity, mm -hmm. but uh, were not fully accepted in, uh, in Christian society. Mm -hmm. And uh, due to uh, social prejudice, also to uh, the uh, sociological dynamics of such a, such a large uh, group, and uh, were able to uh, develop uh, their own religious tradition, clandestine uh, largely, within the Iberian countries. Mm -hmm. uh, they had uh, some time in the seven, in, in 15th century uh, uh, Spain and uh, in early uh, um, 16th century Portugal, mm -hmm. in which this tradition could uh, develop uh, uh, without persecution, and the Inquisition arrived in these both, uh, in these both countries, and uh, clandestine uh, Judaism among the uh, so-called conversos, the converted uh, uh, Jews to Christianity, uh, played an important role in shaping, in, in shaping uh, their uh, self-perception. That means that uh, the Jewish religion, as it was uh, perceived by the, uh, by the conversos, uh, which was much more focused on, uh, a, uh, on faith, than on practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, when these uh, part of these populations uh, went to exile, fleeing the Inquisition, coming to, uh, to Italy, to the Ottoman Empire, uh, to France, to the Netherlands, to England, building up uh, a network of communities, which was at the same time uh, an important uh, colonial merchant uh, network. Mm -hmm. At this moment, the definition of religion through faith Uh, stayed uh, very powerful among those communities. So uh, it was not uh, uh, cultural or everyday life uh, traditions uh, that uh, formed and shaped uh, Judaism, and this was often the case in the Middle Ages, but uh, uh, mainly the conviction of a certain uh, form of uh, religious uh, uh, principles. Mm -hmm. So uh, they tried to uh, defend uh, Judaism Uh, in a uh, dogmatic way, in a philosophical way, by uh, finding out what are the ways of thought that distinguish Judaism from Christianity. And uh, this gave rise to a large uh, body of literature, partly printed, partly uh, polemical, clandestine manuscripts, uh, which is a literature that I'm very much interested in, because it takes over, uh, it takes over influences and patterns from Christian literature of this age of uh, Reformation, confessionalization, interreligious polemics, mm -hmm. and tries to put Judaism on the map of uh, the uh, incipient uh, pluralistic uh, religious uh, uh, relationships in early modern Europe. Mm -hmm. So we would say that there are like some identifiable main uh, Time, time frames or horizons throughout European history that the, the history of Jewish community have been very important and also shaping the history of overall Europe. This is right, and this has to do within Christianity, but within Islam as well, and the constitutive reference to Judaism within, within those uh, uh, religious uh, traditions. Mm -hmm. So that uh, whatever, what, whatever happens in, in Judaism, becomes relevant for uh, Christian uh, religious thinkers, but also to some extent for 
to uh, for uh, religious life within the uh, majority because it connects uh, uh, to certain ideas that are uh, inside the uh, the, the um, uh, origins of Christianity and Islam uh, uh, themselves. Let's uh, take an example, uh, the influence of Kabbalah. Mm. When uh, uh, Kabbalah uh, spreads in the, in the Renaissance among the Jews with the printing of uh, Kabbalistic books, mm. uh, this becomes interesting for, uh, for Christians as well, because this method of uh, esoteric uh, exegesis of uh, the scriptures can be adapted with a certain philological, Hebraistic investment by uh, Christian uh, exegetes, uh, uh, intellectuals, uh, theologi theologians, to uh, Christian theology uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, the Jewish history of Jewish communities in the Iberian Peninsula, we can also try find traces over in the Americas, like your work based in Mexico as well, in Mexican archives. How has this been, this articulation has happened in the, the influence between, from the Iberian Peninsula to the Americas? So I spoke about this uh, very uh, ambivalent uh, religiosity within the Iberian uh, conversal population. That is, uh, uh, those uh, Jewish populations that were forced to converse to, uh, to Christianity. Mm -hmm. And what becomes important for uh, uh, Spanish and Portuguese uh, America are especially the descendants of the Portuguese Jews who were uh, forced to convert to Christianity in uh, 1497. So this is very sh very shortly before the Iberian conquest of the uh, of the Americas, and uh, many of the uh, uh, vice uh, kingdoms in uh, Spanish America became uh, places of uh, refuge for uh, persecuted uh, conversos after the mm. establishment of the Inquisition in, uh, in, in Portugal. Uh, they went there uh, partly to uh, remote places uh, in which, uh, to, to which the uh, uh, Mexican Inquisition that had been uh, founded there in the 16th century already could not so easily penetrate. Mm. So that uh, certain uh, communities that uh, arose in various parts uh, of the uh, American uh, hemisphere could uh, more easily develop a social life than, uh, they, than their uh, uh, mother uh, communities uh, in the Iberian countries. Mm -hmm. So we have there, especially in the 17th century, in the uh, first half of the 17th century, uh, in various parts of Mexico, especially uh, in the uh, northern parts and the more recent uh, settlements of Europeans there, but also in the uh, Andean uh, regions, we have their communities uh, by uh, conversos who uh, continue uh, religious traditions uh, inherited from Judaism and uh, that uh, involve to some extent also local populations of Amerindian uh, stock and uh, uh, Afro-Americans. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, this is a, uh, a population that is quite mixed of many different uh, different origins from uh, uh, three uh, different uh, 
from three different continents, which is repressed in the middle of the uh, 17th century uh, by a uh, cruel uh, persecution by the Inquisition, which has the effect that most of these communities were extinguished, but which has also the, the, the effect that we know much about them through the archives of the, of the Inquisition that for Mexico uh, have been uh, preserved in a large quantity. Mm-hmm. And uh, after this persecution, there are, there are in some remote places uh, communities, family traditions that uh, survive, uh, which is particularly fascinating for, uh, for Brazil, uh, in which until the 18th century and even beyond, uh, there are crypto, crypto-Jewish communities in very complex syncretistic relationships with uh, the local uh, communities uh, of Christian but also of uh, non-Christian uh, origin that are in some cases uh, uh, remarkable by uh, ethnography even today. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So I continue picking up what you said about the Kabbalah. I would like to ask the following. In the recent conference of imperial mysticism, piety and power in early modern empires from a global perspective, held at CEU last week, as of November, December of uh, 2019, you talk about the implications of the Jewish Kabbalah in political cosmology for the early modern period. Could you share some of your main findings in this regard? So, uh, the main idea behind this conference uh, came up in a conversation that I had with my uh, colleague, Dr. Ute Falash, uh, who is a specialist of uh, the history of Sufism, especially in northern India. And uh, we remarked that uh, there is a particular moment in the formation of the large early modern empires the so-called gunpowder empires, Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, the latter part of the uh, 16th uh, century, which at the same time uh, saw a spread of uh, mystical spirituality. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is clear for uh, for Sufism, uh, that Sufi orders play an important role in the 16th century in uh, all the uh, Islamic empires. But uh, practically at the same time, Uh, we have the large spread of uh, Kabbalah, of Jewish mysticism, uh, from its new center in Ottoman Palestine. Mm. So uh, the question that uh, drove us to organizing this conference was, how could could such a uh, uh, movement towards the internalization of uh, religion uh, take place in a moment, during a moment uh, in which uh, political power was uh, spreading over various continents, over various uh, religious communities, in uh, all uh, religions, majority and uh, minority alike. So the uh, 1516-1570s, which uh, saw the spread of Kabbalistic spirituality from Safed, but also from Italy, where um, uh, Kabbalistic literature uh, was first uh, printed and became to some extent uh, uh, popular among Jewish-learned circles after having been for centuries along uh, an esoteric uh, tradition in very small circles. How could it be 
that this time was also the moment of the major spread of uh, Christian mysticism mm. in uh, major, mainly uh, the uh, um, the Spanish uh, uh, the Spanish Empire. Mm -hmm. So we have these new orders uh, founded by these uh, important personalities: Saint Teresa, Saint John of the Cross. Uh, in Spain and then very rapidly all over uh, Hispanic uh, America uh, that play an important role in the mission and the Christianization of uh, large uh, environments. But virtually at the same time in the Balkans, uh, in India, uh, we see also uh, Sufi Muslim uh, uh, orders that do uh, very similar things, namely integrating uh, populations from Eastern Christianity, uh, from, from Hinduism, that uh, either join uh, the uh, the uh, ruling uh, Islamic uh, populations uh, or are ruled uh, by them in a uh, uh, in a relationship that is often quite tolerant of uh, local uh, of, of local religious uh, traditions. So uh, the interpretation of the spread of Kabbalah. It has been uh, since uh, Gershom Scholem and, uh, and, and other historians of Kabbalah very much focused on the, um, uh, on the concept of Jewish exile, mm -hmm. of the Jewish expulsion from Spain in 1492, uh, of uh, the suffering of the exiles, which means placing, placing Jews in a situation of uh, political passivity which is then solved uh, by a, an intellectual, uh, spiritual uh, moment of creativity that tries to come to terms, mm -hmm. to cope uh, with this uh, moment of political oppression through mysticism, through an uh, internalization of, uh, uh, of faith, garnering uh, moments of resistance. But uh, if we look at this phenomenon, these phenomena of Kabbalah mm -hmm. in uh, a larger perspective, in an interreligious uh, framework, we see that uh, precisely among those uh, populations, namely Catholic Christianity, Iberian Catholicism, that was responsible for the persecution of precisely those Jewish exiles, mm -hmm. we have the same phenomena of uh, religious uh, internalization, of religious uh, spirituality in a, in a mystic sense, so that uh, the question of persecution and suffering is perhaps not enough mm. to, uh, to ex explain what happened in those uh, communities. The, uh, uh, if you want, uh, persecute, persecuting society and uh, the persecuted exiles uh, alike. So that we need probably a more comprehensive historical framework mm -hmm. that has to do with a particular situation of uh, empire building, early modern empire building, on a global scale. Uh, and this is the evolution that uh, we wanted to discuss and uh, uh, that we encouraged our colleagues to, uh, to engage in from uh, a number of geographical, of uh, historical uh, perspectives alike. So uh, we managed to focus on a particularly uh, uh, important period in imperial history, namely the latter part of the 16th 
and the early years of the 17th century, mm. uh, where uh, in all these different uh, religious environments, we find a uh, similar development, a similar rise of uh, movements that uh, from a concentration of uh, inward-looking spirituality mm -hmm. come to uh, a spread of uh, religions and uh, populations that are uh, uh, in uh, widespread regions on the periphery of mm -hmm. these empires. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we mentioned is that uh, like this reformulation of Kabbalistic knowledge was done after the expulsion of the Jews from the Iberian kingdoms, but they moved to the Ottoman, Ottoman settlements, and particularly Ottoman Palestine. Based on that, how was the, like, there was a dialogue between, or it was like, a, they were allowed to build settlements as based on different religions? I mean, the Ottomans were confessionally Muslims. How was this relationship between different religious communities within the Ottoman Empire? So the Sephardic Jews are a particularly interesting population in so far as they move between the two dominant empires of the Mediterranean region. So they come from, uh, from Spain and Portugal. Mm -hmm. So those uh, two countries that founded uh, the first seaborne uh, uh, colonial empires. And they move to the uh, rising uh, empire in the uh, Islamic world, the Ottoman Empire, in which uh, uh, they occupy uh, important uh, functions in the economy, in the uh, uh, economic, uh, the commercial uh, development, the uh, industry, especially uh, textile industry with technologies that they bring in from, uh, uh, from Europe. Also, for example, they are the founders of uh, book printing mm -hmm. in uh, the Ottoman Empire. Uh, they uh, have a certain role in the development of military technology, especially artillery, that uh, with uh, techniques that they bring in from Spain. And uh, they also uh, play a role in diplomacy and state administration through uh, a number of important uh, families that uh, gain uh, a role and an influence at the court of the sultans. Mm -hmm. So this led uh, to a reflection, also to a, to a self-reflection, on the position uh, of Jews and the Jewish community in the conflict between those empires. Mm -hmm. And uh, quite a number of those Spanish uh, Jewish leaders established in the Ottoman Empire uh, very take a very pronounced uh, pro-Islamic and anti-Christian stance. Mm -hmm. That means that uh, even though in their own culture they are, as I said, very much influenced uh, by the Christian uh, Reformation and counter-Reformation environment, they take sides uh, with Islam uh, where, uh, where their protection as a minor minority community is uh, much better uh, guaranteed as uh, in the uh, Iberian environment, mm -hmm. which is uh, based upon religious unification. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in my reading of Kabbalistic texts, I claim 
that this also shapes uh, the way in which uh, esoteric uh, cosmologies uh, see uh, the origin and uh, successive uh, creation of the world, that uh, the experience of a change of, uh, change of power of a translatio imperii, uh, that means uh, a um, shift uh, of uh, political power from one imperial tradition to another, all this plays a role in uh, uh, the Jewish uh, self-perception as well. Mm -hmm. so. And that's also a repercussion, as you mentioned, in the Kabbalistic text, but also how this, uh, the reading of these texts for the posterior generations within the Ottoman Empire, or within the same century, how was the reading of these texts impacted the way that they could relate to one another within this large society of the Ottoman Empire? So this is, a, if you refer to Kabbalah, I suppose, mm -hmm. uh, this is a process that takes uh, uh, a number of uh, generations uh, that uh, pursued itself from its, uh, its origins with the uh, printing of the, of the Zohar, uh, in the 1550s, uh, 60s, uh, to uh, the outburst of the uh, messianic movement of Sabbat Zvi again in the Ottoman Empire in the 1660s, in such a sense that uh, Kabbalistic spirituality, with its peculiar link between uh, speculations on uh, cosmology, on uh, theosophy, uh, and uh, Practices, new uh, new rituals, new ways of uh, living together in uh, study uh, in study circles, uh, in uh, ritual uh, communities. Mm -hmm. All this spreads out uh, to uh, larger parts of um, the Jewish population, and we're not speaking about the Ottoman Empire alone mm -hmm. and its uh, centers in Istanbul, in Salonika, in uh, Ottoman uh, Palestine. Mm -hmm. but also across the borders of empire. Mm -hmm. So the uh, peculiar development that takes place in the 17th century is that there is a spirituality that uh, crosses community borders between uh, Sephardim and Ashkenazi, but also between Jews living in the Ottoman Empire on the one hand and uh, the Habsburg Empire on the other hand. Mm -hmm. So there is a, uh, from the 16th century onward, a Kabbalistic school from in uh, Prague uh, and other parts of the Ottoman Empire, so associated mainly with uh, the uh, figure of the Maharal, of uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Löw of, uh, of Prague, that practically at the same time receives certain traditions uh, uh, of uh, Kabbalah that are new, uh, that come from uh, 16th century uh, reflections, and that originated in Italy and uh, in the Ottoman Empire. So we have here a certain koine of uh, Jewish uh, thought that is elaborated and that explains to some extent why a uh, messianic pretender like Sabbatai Tzvi could have uh, followers on both sides of the uh, uh, split uh, uh, European uh, countries between uh, Islam and Christianity. Mm. Interesting. So, well, we're almost at the time. 
But if you would like to give some any concluding remarks for our interview, that would be great. So the very impressive uh, experience uh, that I made personally in the conference in uh, discussing with uh, outstanding scholars uh, specializing on uh, so many different environments uh, was uh, that uh, there is a challenge. Mm -hmm. There is a new challenge of uh, developing concepts that uh, can fit to observations made in disciplinary traditions that are quite far apart from each other, but uh, that this uh, challenge uh, has, uh, to a certain extent, its solutions and uh, its uh, concepts uh, and uh, ways of uh, ways of meeting it that, that can overcome certain artificial boundaries that we uh, that we have in our uh, uh, academic life, especially those divisions between uh, Islamic studies, uh, Jewish studies. Mm. Uh, Christian uh, Christian history and uh, theology that we are dealing with uh, certain uh, with, with certain phenomena, especially the uh, phenomenon of religious internalization in the in, in the 16th century, the reform uh, of religious orders in a sense of uh, spirituality. That is common, but. Uh, that uh, cannot be adequately uh, described uh, with the um, with the concepts uh, that uh, we uh, use as for example uh, mysticism or uh, heterodoxy mm. uh, religious reformation and so on that uh, means that we have an, a terminology that we have a certain span of uh, of uh, scholarly uh, expression uh, that we need to define, that we need to adapt in order to make them fit uh, as tools of communication between uh, between scholars in a global horizon. I had particularly uh, um, interesting and fruitful conversations with a colleague uh, from China who is studying mm. the rise of uh, Tibetan and uh, Chinese uh, Buddhism during a period in the late uh, Ming Empire, that means again uh, the late uh, 16th uh, century, mm. and uh, that was in the uh, uh, after the turn of the 17th century, overcome by a uh, renaissance of uh, Confucianism. Mm. So uh, that we have here a spread of uh, an, uh, a spirituality that can can to some extent be compared to the mysticism. That, uh, that that takes place among uh, Christians, Muslims, and uh, Jews farther west, but uh, we cannot simply adapt our uh, our grid, our terminological grid, to these uh, to these phenomena. But uh, we should uh, try to uh, define our own criteria mm. uh, in order to uh, uh, in order to describe those phenomena that are uh, manifestly uh, alike that are contemporary that are uh, that are linked to empire mm. but uh, that have not yet been uh, described because uh, the adequate terminology is still missing mm. 
And this is something that uh, we hope to uh, to achieve and to accomplish in uh, the coming uh, discussions and uh, I hope uh, uh, publications mm -hmm. uh, that uh, we have decided uh, to start at this occasion. Excellent. I think it's a very good way for wrapping up the interview. We thank you again, Professor Wilkie, for uh, being with us on the RSP, and we hope to have you again soon. Thank you. I really enjoyed this episode that uh, Sydney and Karsten produced uh, last year because it reminds me of just how expansive the study of religion is, and that those of us that work in particular uh, area studies, like Jewish studies, where we can have such a radically different set of conversations about what the issues are. This week, we really have a treat because we have a response that came in uh, already that we'll be posting because we are uh, timely like that this this moment uh, by Jonathan Garb. And he had a, a line in the response that I wanted to, to share. Uh, Nothing less than Kabbalah's unique contribution is here. The sense that human action through the law not only mirrors but actually shapes the form and destiny of the entire cosmos, including the divine world. Garb does an excellent job speaking about the kind of issues that uh, Wilkie raises about Kabbalah. And the thing that it made me think of is that we're so fortunate uh, at this time to be able to reach across into these different areas and have conversations that would uh, not have been possible previously. So, uh, that uh, listeners all around the world can hear uh, a perspective from Central Europe being interviewed by someone that is from uh, another continent, uh, being produced by people on two other continents, and every one of us in a slightly different configuration of religious studies. It just really, um, the academic study of religion is so diverse, and I I'm just really thankful for the opportunity to kind of see all those different things intersecting themselves. Um, next time, though, uh, what's up uh, on the schedule, Brie? Next week, we have the last discourse episode for 2020. Now, as oh, always, no. I know it's sad, but they will be back in 2021, so do not despair. But as always, because we record the discourse episodes at the very last minute, so they are as relevant to the week in which they come out as possible. I can't tell you who is in it or what they are talking about. So you'll just have to tune in to hear who is on it and what they will be speaking about. So we will see you on the other side of that discourse episode, but we hope you enjoy that particular episode for the last one of 2020. But until then, all that's left to say is thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. The RSP is sponsored by the BASR, NAASR and the IAHR and is produced by the Religious Studies Project Association, a Scottish charitable incorporated organisation. Find out more at religiousstudiesproject.com. Brought to you by editors Brianne Fallon and David McConaughey and founding editors Chris Cotter, that's me, and David Robertson, that's the other guy. Our features are edited by Rebecca Barrett-Fox and Lauren Osborne and our Opportunities Digest by Ella Bach. Audio editing by Alex Matthews, podcast transcription by Andy Alexander and Savannah Finver, and social media managed by Ray Radford and Candice Mixon. Don't forget you can support the project by using our Amazon affiliate links or donating at patreon.com backslash project RS. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes and other portals.
Thanks for listening. <laughs>